Well, a good Wednesday morning to you all, and uh, you know what happens on most Wednesdays. Your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast, that's what happens. And we're standing by with realty expert John Brodine. We'll talk to John right after this. Life. With its many stages. From the, my little one has just arrived stage. To the, I have arrived stage. From the first home you'll ever buy. To the one home you'll have forever. No matter where you find yourself in life. Your forever agent will be there. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. For you, for life. John Brodine, my friend, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'll hey, turn your mic up. That's that, that, that might be a little better. Now at least I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, what's new? How about yourself? Hanging. Just yeah. hanging in there, man. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we did our Duluth trip over Memorial Day weekend. How did that go? That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like Duluth. Me too. It, it, it's so it's a great place. Um, was it chilly there? It was a little cold. Yeah, because yeah. you get that wind off the lake there, and it, you know, it could be 80 here, and it's probably 70 there. Yeah. But um, you get over that real quick. Yeah, there was a couple. We had one really nice day. We went up to the North Shore, went mm-hmm. up to uh, the Temperance River State Park. Sure. Uh, man, that was nice. I've gone to a lot of the um, state parks that are up there, and that one was a really cool one. You know, this weekend uh, on Saturday in Minnesota, you could stay at any state park for free. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Should have went this weekend. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> we stayed in Duluth, so we stayed like mm-hmm. downtown Duluth. But yeah, it's fun. we spent a whole day up there uh, hiking. And yeah, so the Temperance River, it's like this river that runs in this really deep crevice between these two rocks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just like a thundering. And I don't know if it's because they got so much rain and snow recently, but man, it's just the a ton of water a lot of, of water it's yeah. so beautiful up there yeah it is i mean yeah. that that is like going to a different planet yeah yeah it reminds me of like the pacific northwest kind yeah of. it does yeah, it yeah. does uh very similar now you think we should talk about realty stuff yeah yeah we can you know um i want to talk about recession because that's a big word now in most people's vocabulary yeah but does a recession does that equal like a housing crisis do they or do they go hand in hand or or not so that's really interesting um and a lot of people have it in their minds. We technically had a recession in 2020 because of COVID, but we pulled, mm-hmm. pulled out of it and almost overcompensated uh, for it. But um, in the most recent, so the recession that in everybody's recent memory is the 2008 recession. Mm-hmm. And that is a recession when real estate values dropped by almost 20%. But then when you look at the other most recent recessions, there was a recession in 2001 um, and uh home prices actually gained value by 6.6%. There's a recession in 1991 where home values dipped really slightly at they dipped by 1.9%, so that's they almost stayed flat. Um, in 1981 there's a recession where home values increased by 3.5%, and in 1980 there was a recession as well where home values dipped or where home values rose by 6.1%. So when you look throughout history a recession does not always mean homes, a housing, it does not always mean a housing crisis. It does not always mean that homes are going to drop in value. Um, the 2008 uh, recession was caused by the housing market. Uh, the 2008 housing market, 2007, 2008, that whole period leading up to there was a much different situation than we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, home buyers that have bought homes over the past 10 years are more qualified than ever. Um, there was close to, uh, $350 billion um, in mortgage volume where the borrowers 
from this is from 2003 to 2007. On average, there was close to 350 billion in mortgages um, with credit scores below 620. Oh, so a lot of um, kind of not as qualified, not as reliable borrowers. From 2008 through now, it's been under 100 billion in mortgage volume where people have under a 620 credit score. And um, what's interesting is in the in the first quarter of uh, 2022, the uh, median credit score for all new mortgages was 776. That's the medium score. The median. Yes. Oh, the median. Okay. Yep, the median score was 776. So that means the majority of borrowers right now and over these past 10 years are more qualified than ever. Homeowners have more equity than ever, um, which in 2008, homeowners had very little equity. They were buying homes at 100% financing, um, you know, yeah, more than 100% loan value in some cases, stated income loans, so they couldn't afford the payments and they had no equity to fall back on if they needed to sell, which caused the foreclosure crisis. Right now, um, so... What the, the one of the big questions is you've got very low supply and you've got very high demand in the housing market. First, we can talk about the demand in the housing market. The largest age group by, you know, the largest age group demographic by population is the millennial, uh, the millennial age group. And that's basically anybody from age 26 to age 41. So people in the millennial home group, you've got the millennial home group on the younger end, they're entering the housing market. They're mm-hmm. looking to buy their first home. Um, and this is such a huge portion of the population that's entering the housing market that that creates a ton of demand and there's not enough supply to keep up with it. Um, supply is at record lows. And this isn't just in Grand Forks. This is across the country. Um, you're seeing some markets that inflated really fast where their supply is starting to catch up to their demand. That's not the case here. Um, demand is even lower than it was last spring in ground or sorry, supply yeah. is even lower than it was, uh, last spring. Um, there's less than 130 homes on the market in ground forks. So even if high interest rates, so high interest rates are designed to try to slow down inflation, slow down the economy, cool it off. Yep. Yep. Um, even if, you know, even if high interest rates decrease buyer demand somewhat or price some people out of the market, you would need, in order for the housing market to crash, you would need everybody to want to try to sell at once. That's how something crashes. And there's another thing that's important to look at called the lock-in effect. Um, that's where, when you look at what the average mortgage interest rate that the average homeowner has right now, it's so much lower than what they'd be able to get if they sold and bought a new home right now. That's even more incentive for them not to put their home on the market and not to move. You know, some people move because life circumstances mm-hmm. have to move. But for people, when it's a choice, it's a it's harder for them to make that choice and decide to pull the trigger on a move when they'd be going from a three point something interest rate up to a five point something right, interest rate. Right. So that's something that's also keeping supply very very low. And when supply is low, prices will continue to rise. But if demand gets cut back a little bit you're not going to see the really rapid increase in home values like we have over the past two years. But for a housing crash to happen, the housing market would have to do a total 180, which is really like unlikely. Okay. Now you were talking about 2008, Um, you know, all these foreclosures and stuff. um, And and I don't really know how this works, but um, were there people getting mortgages that 
probably shouldn't have been able to get them. There, there was, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I hate to say this, but can lenders take advantage of something like that? And I would imagine that's against their, their code of ethics or whatever. But, uh, you know, hey, let's give this guy a mortgage because I know he's not going to be able to come through with it. And uh, we'll end up with a cheap house. Yeah. So I think back in those days, and that was before my time in the real estate sure. industry. But I think back in those days, there were lenders who did things right and who were good. Mm-hmm. And there were lenders who... Um, we're kind of greedy and they're not doing it because they think that the buyer is going to foreclose. Right. Um, but maybe there were some people who saw the opportunity to make a lot of money in origination fees, getting as many mortgages done as possible to borrowers who, you know, maybe weren't qualified to be able to buy mm-hmm. that type of house. Um, you know, with the, the mortgage, uh, the, you know, requirements to be able to get a mortgage have gotten so much stricter. Um, back then you'd, ha- you'd have people who, probably shouldn't even be buying one house, being able to buy two, three, four houses, you know? Mm-hmm. They, now they look at your debt-to-income ratio. They look at your credit score. They look at, are you actually going to be able to comfortably afford this house? And if not, people aren't able to get the loan. Or if they don't have good, you know, good credit score, that they don't have enough money to put down, you know, all those things factor in. So it's if you're not in a sound financial position where you should be, you know, buying a home, mm-hmm. you probably aren't going to be able to qualify. Or if you are, you're not able to qualify for the, you know, a very nice home and then maybe you just continue renting until you get your situation figured out. You know, you had mentioned uh, when we talk about low inventory, um, how people who might be locked into a, a nice low interest rate, um, why would they want to sell and then buy and end up paying, you know, maybe double the interest rate they're paying now. But what about like people whose mortgages are paid off? Uh, maybe want to downsize. Do you think a lot of the low inventory has to do with the fact that, well, we don't dare sell because we can't find a place to yeah. buy. Yeah, that has something to do with it too. Um, that's a that's not the majority of the mm-hmm. situation. You know, it's not many the majority situations. Of the sure, but there are some people in that situation. Um, you know, it's just you know inventory is less than half of what it was mm-hmm. in 2019. Um, and you know, last year more homes sold. It was a record year for the number of homes sold. This year, I'm assuming that'll be dialed back a little bit. Okay. Um, so far, when we compare year to date, fewer homes have sold this year compared to last year. Um, but the inventory is still lower. Um, so, you know, in order for them to, like, it's, it would take years for them to even build enough homes to catch up to the demand mm-hmm. that's out there right now. Because they're homes. still building. Yeah, they're still building. Um, it's just there's, you know, it's the millennial home buyers that are really, uh, they're entering the market and they are looking to buy either their first home, maybe they're looking to buy a move-up home. Um, but, you know, that, that population is so large that it's, it's causing high demand for sure. So with the low inventory, does that make your job harder or easier? When I work for sellers, it makes yeah. it easier. Oh, yeah. And I get to you know set records and get mm-hmm. sellers a ton of money. Um, when I'm working with buyers, like just yesterday, lost out on a bidding war. There were seven offers. Oh, boy. And the winner ended up being cash and way over full price. Oh, man. You know, yeah, so how do you beat that? Yeah, it's on, and it's not like that on every house, but on the most attractive houses, especially in the median sale price range and below um it is so competitive and that's a little unusual you don't see that many cash buyers out there Mm -hmm. but you know it's you know and and i maybe have told you this before uh my son and daughter-in-law when they bought their new house a little over a year or so ago um that's how it was um he had like seven showings for their house Mm -hmm. um they had already put money down on a new house without even seeing it just the pictures because it's the, the bidding war um, so they had like eight showings. The first one showed up and said, um, I'll take it. I'll give you what you want. 
Uh, the second person showed up and said, I'll give you a whatever thousand more. Mm-hmm. And within five minutes, another one showed up and said, I will, I'll give you way more than that and I'll pay cash. Oh, yeah. And it was done deal. Yep. I mean, just like that. Um, you know, I'm kind of a realtor's dream, maybe. Yep. And it's still, in order to get that type of outcome, you still need to do everything right. So you mm-hmm. need to price the home properly or else it's still not going to get the attention. It's, it's still possible for even a nice home to stay on the market if you miss the mark on your price. Um, your advertising needs to show off all the aspects of the home, um, especially the selling points. The photos have to be great. The home has to be staged, cleaned, and prepper, uh, you know, prepped for sale properly, or else you're going to be leaving money on the table. If you do all those things right, if the advertising is right, the home preparation staging is right, and the price is right, you can expect to have a really, really good outcome in this market. It's still going to take some work, you know. If you if you decide to skimp on any one of those three things, preparation, the marketing, or the price, um, you know you're you're not going to get as good of an outcome as you could, uh, but you should still be able to sell in this market. Right? Um, is it this way everywhere? Even like small town America, because uh, we're seeing more and more people move to small towns that are close to you know like Grand Forks. We're going to you know throw out Warren, uh, Thompson, uh, towns like that. Is it the same everywhere with the low inventory? Um, no, so what I find with the small towns, and I work primarily in Grand Forks, mm-hmm. but if it's a you know a close friend or a really close friend's referral or something like that, I'll occasionally work those small towns. There are fewer, there's more people moving out of those towns into Grand Forks than there are people moving from Grand Forks into those small okay. towns. I think the um, younger people are moving here, the older people are moving there. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, that's that's probably, I'd say that's a good uh, mm-hmm. estimate of what's going on. So those markets definitely aren't as hot. You don't see the type of appreciation in those small markets. I mean, Thompson's an exception because it's so close to town. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other, the other small towns, um, there just isn't as much demand for those small towns to start with. So it's a slower selling process there. All right. How does somebody get a hold of realty expert, Mr. John Brodine? So follow me on, uh, on Instagram. I post content almost daily, tons of short videos that are really informative to home buyers and sellers, or just anybody looking to stay on top of the real estate market. Um, subscribe to me on YouTube. If you're ready to become a client and you want to reach out, my number is 701-213-5428. Um, you can call or text me on that number. Hey, I tell you what, enjoy your day today. It's a beautiful one out there. Hopefully you don't have too much office work to do. And uh, we'll see you Friday. That sounds good, yep. All righty, there you go. That's your realty expert, John Brodine. And for this Wednesday, that's your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast.